Welcome back to the Monolith Film Podcast. I am your co-host, Lee Byrne. Joining me today, as always... Uh, that's me, Nick Gillen. Um, Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, Nick. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, how are you doing? Pretty good. Today, we're going to be doing Anti-Porno by, oh. what, Sion Sono, I think? Yes, sir. Came yeah. out in 2016. Yeah, I liked it. it was um, both our first times watching it, right, for the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Not to, not what I expected at all, really. No, same. I had suggested it uh, because I'm familiar with the director. Okay. His movie Tag is one of my favorite Japanese movies. Okay, it's not the Tag movie with uh, where they run around uh, tapping each other. Oh, fuck no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, not that one? No, not at all. It's very similar to this one with like a... Um, like surreal element to it, a lot of cutting between timelines and multiple okay. universes. Kind of broken narrative, uh, though. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very strange. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I think it's fucking good though. Yeah. Um, which is why I wanted to check this one out, especially because the description mm-hmm. on so many websites is just like a writer uh, lives in a room and lives out her life minute by minute. I think it's <laughs> yeah. a description on like Letterboxd or some shit. Is it actually? Yeah, something like that. It's fucking, it's kind of nonsense, the description. But it's, I mean, you know, it intrigued me, so I guess it worked. Yeah, man, it's a good movie. I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, are you familiar with uh, a lot of his work? Uh, I've only ever seen Tag and Anti-Porno. I'm watching yeah. Vampire Tokyo Hotel. Oh, that's on, true. You're telling it. You were talking yeah. about it. Um, that's, it's a TV show, so it's, it, there's some flashbacks, but that's about the most broken narrative you get. It's pretty okay. straightforward. But... It's, the same kind of aesthetic, very bright, flashy yes. kind of stuff. Yeah, like the the ho- the hotel, the Tokyo Vampire Hotel. Yeah, the interior design is all bold primary colors, nice okay. and chunky. Yeah, yeah, this, and that that um, the flare on all the lights, like yeah. the star flare. Yeah, everywhere. That's very cool. I quite like that little. Uh, I don't even know how you describe it. It's like uh, an asterisk, almost looking. Yeah, I really like that too. It's mm-hmm. a nice, it's like, a, I don't know, it's fluttery. Very old style looking. Yeah. I wonder how they get that different flat lens or something. I don't know. I'm not sure. It almost, it almost looks like computer generated, to be honest. It feels almost too perfect to do it. But I mean, I don't know. That's a lot of tracking to do to try and edit all that stuff in, all those flares in, but very well could be. That's true. Very well could be. Black and white in that little one section where they're walking through the woods and they have the people in the trees. I thought it looked fantastic there. Yeah, that was very cool. It was a very cool shot. Really fits in in the black and white. Oh, and before we start, I think, uh, give you uh, some accolades. I think that new poster for the thumbnail looks fantastic. Oh, thank you very much. I quite like that. And I think the uh, listeners are going to be staring at it while they listen to our delicious voices. Yeah, I don't know. I was uh, making the posters for Gary. Yeah. And I just kind of started fucking around, and I was like, this would be a cool thumbnail. Looks sick. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So uh, do you want to give uh, the movie a proper kind of uh, summary? Rather yeah. Rather than the uh, writer sits in a room? Yeah. Um, so the movie is about Kyoko, who mm-hmm. is presented to us as some sort of artist. She's yeah. more than just a writer. She paints as well. Some kind of pop art person. Yeah. Um, but it's almost as if her persona 
is more famous than her actual art or whatever. Yeah. One of those types of artists. She's like Um, some kind of diva, like a personality, it seems. Yeah. Um, She does spend the entire movie in one room, except for the flashbacks. Yeah. It opens in that room. It's this nice bright yellow room with a bright red bathroom and a bright blue bed. Almost violently bright colors. Yeah, definitely. There's these weird fans, five windows on one wall that are just blindingly white. Yeah, well, I took kind of note on that stuff because I don't know if it was uh, kind of a, what do you call it, like a, not a production choice, but a uh, like a budgetary choice to, to shoot most of the story in this one room. But all these kind of little things really make it feel like it's a bigger space than we're actually seeing these fans in the in the walls and the bright colors and all these camera movements throughout. It really kind of livened up such a small set. Yeah, for sure. It, it never feels claustrophobic. No. Ever. Especially compared to like other one room movies or even other movies that have entire sets like the Alien movie. Mm -hmm. That movie and like John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. Like they capture claustrophobia so well. Mm -hmm. And like compared to this, which is literally one room, but it feels massive the whole movie. Through Yeah. You're never really bored in this room. There's so much color and action and movement throughout. You're always, there's always something to look at and something happening and all these weird characters coming in. Uh, you yeah. never feel bored in this room. Um, to the viewers who haven't seen this movie, strap in because it's going to get confusing. And strap on because <laughs> characters coming up later. That's true. There are. Um, okay. So she wakes up, she does her thing. You can kind of tell she's a little psycho. She like yells at her reflection or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she hallucinates her dead sister playing piano. Yeah. Her assistant shows up and gives her her schedule. She starts emotionally, physically, and sexually abusing her assistant. Yeah, very meek assistant at this first half hour. Um, then her first appointment shows up. It's a photographer and an interviewer and their crew. Mm-hmm. Um, more assistant abuse, yeah. self-harm, some I rape. Mean- I, I've met a lot of uh, photographers, and uh, I've never seen a crew <laughs> quite like that. <laughs> yeah, two interesting crew. <laughs> two of the crew members walk in with, uh, they're dressed, they're pretty punk rock. They, they were rocking some strap-ons. Yeah, that's pretty and, punk rock. <laughs> um, they use them. They definitely use them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're ordered to use them as part of the interview. Yeah. Fun enough. Um, she goes over her artistic method all while her assistant is getting raped on her bed. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden a director yells cut. The fourth wall is literally taken down by a film crew. When this happened, dude, I was cracking up. Yeah, it is fucking funny. I thought it was fantastic. I, did you expect anything like that? God, no. I really didn't see any of that coming. <laughs> and then, I was very happy. Uh, there's, a, there's a little role reversal with the artist and the assistant because now yeah. the actor who plays the assistant is the abusive one and the actor who plays the artist is the submissive one. Yeah. Um, they spend their entire time in between takes shitting on the main actress pretty much. Mm-hmm. Humiliating yeah. her publicly. Yeah. Same. Um, I thought it was quite interesting. We've been seeing a lot of movies where uh, people are made to walk like a dog throughout. That's true, eh? <laughs> Very fun. I mean, hey, it's a good uh, scene, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it ties the podcast together. There you go. Walking. Um, then Kyoko starts to hallucinate. Kyoko is the name of the 
supposed artist, but it's the only name we're given for this girl. So I think it's also her name, like the actress's name as well. Yeah. Um, she starts to hallucinate or daydream about all these girls in a red and white room. Then you get the black and white shot where yeah. her, uh, what we find out later to be her parents are fucking in the woods and there's a little mm-hmm. girl with a knife. It's fucking, it's weird. Yeah. And then it cuts back and the day starts over. So she wakes up in the bed. She goes to the bathroom again. The fourth wall is now up again. So this is just the movie. Yeah. Just, that's an interesting way to start. Because this is supposed to be some kind of porno film that they're shooting. Interesting way to start the movie with a girl taking a crap in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know Definitely. if that, that's the porno. I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it, it's, fuck it. it's weird. A lot of weird decisions. Mm-hmm. So then the assistant walks in again. And we, we get kind of the whole routine again, but a little more unhinged. Yeah. And then uh, I think this time, instead of breaking the fourth wall and it's a movie set, we're on a stage in front of an audience. Yeah. And it's like a play now all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And then um, now we get flashbacks from when Kyoko was a little girl and she talks to her parents about sex and her sister kills herself. Yeah. And then she gets raped in the woods. Another, well, it wasn't really rape. It was more of a dry hump. That's and true. It comes in like 10 seconds, I thought was interesting. Almost raped in the woods. Almost raped in the woods. And she imagines a film crew there. Yeah. Um, then we have this relationship with one of her models who she bases her character on. Mm-hmm. And she declares her love. I don't get that part. No. Well, I think that might just be part of the porno. Maybe. Oh, true. I kind of always forget they're filming a porno. Yeah. It's uh, it's an interesting movie. It it only kind of comes together when she starts explaining it at the end. Right. And then the last few bits are like her at the audition. Yeah. Uh, then there's a full role reversal where the assistant is now the artist. And mm-hmm. Kyoko is now the assistant, still in her schoolgirl uniform. Yeah. And then it, the last bit is intercut with Kyoko reading the script of the movie as if she's just been writing this the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and then she smashes her face in a cake and gets paint dumped on her from the sky. Yeah, and a fun movie, and it ends like that, and the fantastic score of that little slide guitar sad song plays. Yeah. And uh, I was quite happy at the end of this movie. Yeah, so I th- that's pretty much the whole movie. If yeah. uh, you at home listening do not understand, that's okay. I don't think anyone really does. No, I was going to say it's quite a, a long summary for a movie, but I remember Joey's summary of the Refn movie that was with a 20-minute summary. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wanted to... I don't know. I wanted to do a lengthy summary just because it's, oh, like, it's there's so many moving parts. Yeah, it's very necessary for this movie, I think. Is what all those kind of flashback scenes and everything. Well, how do you want to get through this? Do you want to start at the beginning and go chronological or kind of just jump to points throughout? Well, I think we might benefit in this movie from trying to stay chronological. Okay. Yeah. So, how does it kind of start? Uh, the wh- first, they break the fourth wall at the 30 minute mark about yeah so the first 30 minutes is just her in that room Mm -hmm. and we don't know she's an actress yet no so yeah we we think everything's real it's just some 
eccentric artist in this weird room and then all kinds of surreal, very strange sexual things start happening. Yeah. Um, up to that first 30 minutes, I just kind of thought it was uh, kind of just a weird movie. But then once yeah, that director too. comes out, I thought it was quite fantastic. Um, the one... The, oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, I was just going to... I like the lizard in the bottle. Yeah. That was fun. Little lizard in the bottle. Nothing wrong with that. Straight metaphor for the character, I guess. Yeah. But um, the whole... I don't know, because we get introduced to a lot of like potential themes mm-hmm. and then the characters full on disregard the themes like explicitly. Yeah. So like there's a lot of talk about being a virgin and a whore at the same time. Mm-hmm. And being a whore in this universe is like revered. Yeah. In the which makes sense. Porno. They're yeah. filming a porno, so yeah. Um one yeah. thing I thought, the very yeah. opening shot, I don't understand. The very first oh. shot of the movie. Yeah, I always forget that. It it's opens with a shot of like some parliament building and a cop yeah. car driving by with the sirens on. Yeah, and I was expecting that shot to come back at the end. Like that's the studio or something, or that's she gets arrested or something. But I have, I have no idea what that opening shot is. You're right. And after the movie, I went... Oh fuck! Went back, rewatched it, or like rewatched that beginning section where it's the kind of dollies of her through these uh, this big candle lit kind of lateral dolly thing, and I really yeah. I don't have any clue as to what that could be. The only thing I could think, uh, I mean, the only thing that happened in the movie that would need police presence suicide? is the sister's suicide. Yeah, yeah, but even then, it's it's like there's no connection almost to it. It's almost like you have to go okay yeah i guess so yeah there there's absolutely no connection okay good I, also I, I, something. I don't know what building that is like i don't reckon i mean it's probably somewhere in japan mm-hmm. um it might just be a way to like show that this is kind of supposed to be the real world but not quite so Maybe, he just puts yeah. a shot of the real world so people aren't too you know guard one idea i thought was uh but i don't know if there's any way i could or we here in canada could uh um i don't know uh see if it's true or not was the um it might be a studio building i was thinking because this is like uh hold on i'm trying to find the name of the place here um nikatsu studios was like in the 70s and 80s when they were making the pornos yeah, they will. They made a lot of pink films. Yeah, this uh, this one was part of that. So I don't know if they were just showing a studio. If people were supposed to know if that was a studio, and they go, "Oh, this is Nikatsu. We know what they kind of do there." And then it cuts to the story, anti-porno starting. But there's, I don't know. There's no proof or anything on screen to that. No, it's definitely their Parliament building. Oh, it is the Parliament building. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Okay, then I have no clue at all. Um, yeah, it's like straight up the house of parliament in tokyo weird then yeah i mean it seems like 10 seconds unnecessary in the movie also why not just start on that fun opening title i'm not yeah i'm not sure i really don't know i think um i mean because it's a very like japan-centric 
movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's about the pink film movement, which was exclusive to Japan. Yeah. It's about the female role in Japanese society. Yeah. So I don't know, putting the parliament building right at the beginning. But even then, watching that, us as Westerners, I have no fucking idea that was the parliament building. Yeah, I yeah. think the only reason... I think the only reason... Oh, I'm echoing. You okay? Sounded fine on this end. Oh, yeah? Yeah, okay. sounded okay. Um, the only reason I recognized it was because Godzilla destroys it in <laughs> one of the Godzilla movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so. we we got to watch more Godzillas then. We'll get these fucking Japanese <laughs> movies. But uh, I don't know, start on uh, an island of Japan or something and then cut to the title even then. But I mean, I or, don't know. There's a lot more famous buildings in Tokyo. And I mean, watching the movie, I was never going, is this uh, Toronto? Where is this? <laughs> this Argentina? That's for sure. It seems very Japanese, the movie. Anyway, interesting first shot then, but then uh, after the 30-minute mark, that's kind of when the narrative falls apart and we start to put the pieces together. Yeah, as they fall apart in front of us. Mm -hmm. It's kind kind of a straightforward story after that, though once the things kind of start coming together and you kind of get the idea, oh, it's this kind of shameful thing for uh, these Japanese women to have any yeah. kind of sexual desires or anything and the society is kind of suppressing these sexual uh, desires and then you have to get them out somehow and the hypocrisy of her parents and everything and it all kind of just comes as this one big theme together for the, the story. But that, yeah. that first half an hour is very uh, very fun when you don't There's- know. One thing during that opening 30 minutes, mm-hmm. um, once Kyoko starts puking, yeah, her assistant is on the ground and mm-hmm. she rolls a bowling ball at her and you hear the sound of bowling pins. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, why? I don't get that. No, I don't get that either. Why the fuck is there a bowling? Like, where did the, all that shit come from? That was so weird. Well, there's a few things that are very interesting, like also when she's getting, or when Kyoko is getting whipped by uh, her assistant at the end, and there's uh, bubbles coming in in a few shots. Yeah, true. And and not bubbles in one shot. And, yeah, and then there's the, yeah. Some stuff might just be for aesthetic flair to spice it up, or, I don't know, make it more fun with such kind of a grim subject. Uh, I'm not sure really why they'd have these. Maybe the bubbles I don't get. Yeah, the snow I can understand because then it's relating mm-hmm. to like the forest rape scene. Yeah, exactly. It's just tying yeah. all of the, all of the sexual experiences into one. Mm-hmm. Well, what was the thing with the fucking uh, the buzz saw cutting the ceiling, the drywall, and the ceiling open too? That's another question I have here. I was have absolutely no idea. <laughs> That's the the producer cutting the fucking ceiling to get the paint out for the last. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of that. That's funny. I have no idea. Because isn't that what happens, though, at the Oh, well, it's a different... It's her parents' built house that's getting cut, the ceiling, too. Yeah, it's a different house. And it's her apartment that gets the paint. Then I really have no clue about that buzzsaw, either. Yeah, I really don't get that part. Mm-hmm. 
I was um, thinking maybe it's a vaginal kind of reference, but it's horizontal as well. So that doesn't make sense. Yeah. The only thing I could think of was like, uh, her, like cutting down the wall, cutting down the shame, like being yes. able to make it onto the other side. Yeah. Kind of destroying what her parents kind of put on her. Yeah, exactly. But it just cuts one line. It doesn't break it. It's just a straight line. Yeah. I don't know. Nothing happens to it afterward. Normally, like, you'd have the rule of threes for things, you know? This is only shown two times as well. Yeah. Maybe he forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they're just stuff from other shoots, and he just gave the camera to the editor, and the guy threw it all together. Parliament building? I'll fucking throw that at the beginning. (laughs) Just the editor's going nuts. I'll put fucking bowling ball sounds in. Who cares? (laughs) He was just the editor gone wild. Did you like the uh, the broken narrative of it? I did. It was it was fun. It was a nice roller coaster. Hmm. I like but, the kind of movies where you got to put the things together because if this was done straightforward chronologically, you would have got what the story was about in the first two seconds. Yeah. If it started when she was in her schoolhouse and then it goes to back home, we yeah. would have known in that second scene. So I, I quite like that we have to build this narrative together in our heads, and we only get it like an hour into the movie. And then when she starts explaining at the end, it's quite funny too, in case you didn't get it. What, what does she say? Oh, well, when it's the uh, pie smashing face and she goes, oh, number one. Uh, okay, she, yeah. She the three things and it kind of puts everything together at the end. Yeah, that was, I don't get why she has to smash her face in the cake, but it is funny. Yeah, just angry, I guess, at this Japanese uh, society. Wants to smash her face in the cake. <laughs> it's also what her eighteenth birthday, something like that. Yeah, which is or maybe interesting. 19th? Maybe yeah. What do I have here? Cool ass jacket. Looks like Space Invader is one of my notes here. Yeah, the costume design is fucking sick. Really cool. Yeah, very. Uh, it almost looks like uh, some kind of. Um, what are they called? The uh, like an anime kind of stuff. They're kind of over yeah. the top cartoony characters. Uh, I thought it was very fun. Um, the costume design in Tokyo Vampire Hotel is also fucking cool. Oh yeah, yeah. There's this one vampire who wears like he always has a uh, some sort of like suit jacket or blazer on. Okay. But with like shoulder pads that are way too big and pointy. Yeah. But he looks fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. This director's got a lot of style, I'd say. Yes, definitely. Um, even uh, Tag is a lot more muted. Mm-hmm. But I What's think because the narrative is so much more jumble and eccentric, that yeah. he kind of toned his style down a little. Yeah. So it's not just a complete assault. Mm-hmm. I kind of yeah, like the assaults. Me too. No, but Sono, he definitely has style lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have another note here that's a, a fun line from that first 30 minutes where Kyoko's yelling at her assistant and she goes she's no actor, she's no woman, she's no tranny and then she starts scraping up the poster yeah yeah. there's a, uh, there's a lot of really good lines during that first 30 minutes 
that are just like so over the top and uh yeah unexpected one only only women so pure it breaks their hearts can be whores Mm -hmm. i like that one yeah what do i have here uh for camera did you get annoyed by all the dollies that were going on no i quite liked it one thing i have but this is just my own kind of uh um, what do you say, taste for a uh, camera movement? I don't like when the dolly, like when a camera movement goes back on itself. So like if we pan one way, if we pan left two feet and then we pan right two feet again, back to oh, the original okay. or something, or if a dolly goes one way and then goes back and then goes back a third time or something, it almost feels like, I don't know, it, it's, you should change it up a bit or something. But okay. I, I quite enjoyed all the, the lateral dollies through it here. And I thought the composition of the dollies were fantastic. Every time yeah. they stop, it would be a, a fantastically framed shot. And the dollies are, uh, what do you say, they're behind, they're like behind the wall where a wall would be. So you have all the, uh, like the props in front of the camera, everything in deep, deep yeah, focus. Yeah, that right stuff is really well. cool. Yeah, I quite liked all that. So like the the design of the camera movement, I thought was very cool. And I kept it completely interesting, even with the handheld camera in that one room. And it really made the room a much bigger space than it actually was. did you notice the switch like the it's all pretty much like um steadicam dollies Mm -hmm. and like pretty like dream like how smooth the camera motion is in the first 30 minutes yeah and after we get the break in the fourth wall Mm -hmm. and they retake from the top and Kyoko yeah. wakes up again in bed. Yeah. And now she's like really unhinged. Mm-hmm. That whole section is, it switches to handheld pretty much. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's shaky cam and it's a little, you know, mm-hmm. That's I, I like that. Down, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was cool. I only noticed that the second time I watched it. One thing I have to uh, see that, that room, there's one like, shot to it it's the the white and uh red room with all the women sitting in it yeah would that be like the kind of uh like a shame room where all these women are kind of talking about her or something because obviously we can't understand what's written on all the walls yeah i was trying to catch something but well because they're being supportive those women are they okay yeah they're 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 cheering her on kind of if i remember Mm -hmm. okay then yeah, I'm I'm confused about that room as well. Then, because my my original idea was that it was um, like the kind of uh, other women in the village or something, uh, kind of talking shit about her. No, I I remember. I'm pretty sure they're being supportive. Okay, so then there I'm also confused. What what, um, what did you think about that? I. Th- yeah, I wish I could read what it says. Mm-hmm. The subtitles only translated what the characters said. Yeah. Um, I thought it was more like, well, because one of them's a little girl as well. Okay, yeah. So it's not like it's a bunch of whores telling her to be a whore. Yeah, or a bunch of like old women looking down on her. Right, and for some reason the little girl's wearing sunglasses. <laughs> Yeah, I remember now. So I'm not really sure what to make of that. Very beautiful set, though. Yeah, that room, that with all their like super long 
like parchment gowns or whatever with paint yeah. all painted and shit. Yeah. I thought that was very beautiful. That whole set. That was my favorite. I think uh, set in it that and the uh, the old schoolhouse, the schoolroom they're in that's completely like blown out, overexposed through the windows. I thought those were both uh, two very cool set pieces. The schoolhouse. You mean like her home or like her classroom? Yeah, her classroom. Yeah. There's one flashback to it around the end, and it's yeah. like the light from the the windows is just completely blown out, and it just looks the uh, very dreamlike or like a memory or something. I thought it would fit very well. It's it's interesting too when it switches. Like it, it's so obvious how how and when it switches to reality yeah. versus the flashbacks and versus the film set. Because mm-hmm. when she's walking in the woods, when she puts her school uniform on and then goes home and then goes into the woods and then goes to the interview. Yeah. All of that overexposure, all of that haziness, all of that like fog, even the lights aren't flaring anymore. Yeah. It's like a full switch to reality. Reality. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This was very fun. Um, I have a lot of stuff here about, not a lot of stuff, but just to set the kind of pink film stuff. Did you want to talk about the the genre itself a bit? Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, what do I have here? This was like uh, a couple places I went to to look the stuff up. Probably one of them was Wikipedia, so I don't know how good anything is. I think uh, it's, it's the the pink film movement is was pretty well documented. I think I'd trust Wikipedia to be honest. Yeah. Okay. So here it says pink film slash Roman porno, like Roman. I imagine they mean like a novel, like a yeah, story. Exactly. Porno. Uh, broadly, any Japanese film that includes nudity or uh, sexuality. So yeah, that's a pink not film. Not only not only porno, but any kind of. Uh, like someone changes in the movie and you go, Ooh, this is a dirty movie. Yeah. They, they came out, they started coming out more and more like as a, like revolt against the traditional, like against that type of characterization, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a movie with one scene with tits being considered a porn film or a pink film is <laughs> yeah. exactly what they were making movies against. Mm-hmm. But they were like quite, using it to their advantage. Can you imagine how rigid the society must have been where you can't see like a butt without it being like considered a porno? Yeah, exactly. That's pretty crazy. And I guess that's partly why Kyoko's going wild in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, I mean this this movie is basically like a it's almost like a pink film manifesto. Mm-hmm. Well it's like uh Yeah, I guess so. Here I have a thing that it's uh, it was part of a an actual like revival series of the genre. This movie where uh, Nikatsu was tr- that's the studio there. They were trying to get um, like more highbrow into that that pink genre. Oh, okay. So I think this was part of some kind of I don't know if it was a series of movies or like a little festival or something they did with the new kind of pink films, the highbrow pink films. But I think this was part of that revival cool i didn't know that mm-hmm. so, some stuff here i think it the kind of pink film stuff i think it's uh very similar to the kind of pornos we have here in the west where they have 20 plus sequels to every series 
<laughs> like 20 sequels. Um, but I have little notes here. Uh, one guy, uh, Tetsuji Takachi, he was a, a kabuki theater director and he made a pink movie and he was arrested for it, for it being too obscene. And I think they just Damn. showed boobs in it and that was it. Nice. So it's pretty fun. Um, have you ever seen Tokyo Decadence? Uh, no, but I think we might have talked about it. It sounds very familiar. Probably. That's another like pink film manifesto type movie. Yeah. But that one is just like so overtly and explicitly over the top sexual. Okay. Like it's almost like a challenge. Like, oh, what? I can't make a sex movie. That's not a porno. Fucking try me, bitch. Yeah. It is um, interesting, the divide between what is like kind of a marketable art and what's the porn. Yeah. Is there all kind of like, oh, sorry, go ahead. I mean, yeah, because Tokyo Decadence is literally about uh, a hooker who has a t- hard time being a hooker. She's beat up about it. Yeah, she's like, uh, I think she falls in love with one of her clients Okay. She struggles with doing the BDSM stuff, but most of her clients want to do the BDSM stuff. <laughs> All these Japanese businessmen. Yeah. That's fun. There's another one called R100. Okay. Which is a fucking weird movie. Yeah. Yeah. What's it's that a, one about? It's about uh, a sexual service where dominat- dominatrix girls yeah. will uh, come and beat the living shit out of you. Yeah, like whenever you don't get to decide. <laughs> like it could be like a fucking family dinner, and some chicken leather shows up and kicks the shit out of you. <laughs> Put my fucking potatoes in the microwave. Keep them warm. <laughs> I'll be back in fifteen. And so this dude who lost his wife signs up for the service because he's lonely. Yeah, and it kind of starts ruining his life because he still has a kid that he takes care of, but now all of a sudden he's getting his ass kicked by these dominatrix girls. That is so funny. And the, the plot twist is that you're not allowed to deny the service once you pay for it. That's it. Okay. Yeah. But then this is another one where there's a film within the film. Okay. And then it breaks down and gets way more surreal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they, they, I don't know, they end up killing a bunch of the dominatrix in the end. It's like um, Night of the Living Dead almost where they're like shacked up in a hut and they're just like shooting out the windows or some shit that's hilarious but at some point there's an old man who breaks the fourth wall and straight up tells the audience there is no way you can understand this movie until you have lived over a hundred years okay so i guess the writer for the movie was 102 i fuck i he better be or else he's a fucking hypocrite <laughs> you shut this movie down bro <laughs> this is bs bro one uh, one movie I think uh, the uh, like a Japanese movie about kind of pink film production is the pornographers. I've only seen one scene from it, but it looked quite interesting, and I thought maybe we could uh, check that out sometime in the future, or just uh, see see something as a reference to this if it kind of explains anything else of this movie. But it's uh, it's kind of about how they would make these pink films in the '60s and stuff, where they they would just kind of grab a girl and a guy and just run to like the beach or something and just film for five minutes while no one's around, and then run somewhere else and film for five minutes and then cut it together and make the like the cheapest porno uh, one hour long <laughs> fucking, uh, made in like three days and then they'd make uh, like a million bucks off this 
these pornos. So I thought that was fun. It's a documentary. Uh, no, it's like a fiction movie, but I, it's like it's supposed to be like how they okay. did it. Like I don't know what this the story is about. I've only seen the one scene, but okay. uh, pretty pretty hilarious. That sounds fucking funny. Uh, but yeah, just about like the the kind of lines we draw in the genres. Like you're a big horror fan. Yeah, and that's kind of like uh, that's like a body genre. Where like you get a, a bodily reaction to the what you're seeing, or like a comedy, you know, like you see a comedy and you laugh. You see right. a horror movie and you go, "Ee, you're scared." And the the kind of like bodily reactions to things are uh, they're kind of made lesser in like genre study kind of thing, where like uh, some kind of um, not a day in the life kind of thing, but your basic kind of interior drama where it's more of an, uh, an emotional understanding of something would be considered a higher piece of art than something that gives you this kind of visceral reaction where you start laughing or something at a guy farting. But um, I don't really think any of that's true. Well, I mean, yeah, I would definitely say that's not true as well. But then if we follow the logic on that, then porn also would be part of this kind of normal art. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're getting we're getting the bodily reaction with the thing, and it's still it's just the genre of this kind of moving picture medium. I mean, I haven't seen too many uh, highbrow pornos. No, that's the thing. But I don't I, like. I don't believe that they don't exist. I don't think they're not possible. Mm-hmm. I just well, think I mean, no one does them because what's the point? the kind of classic pornos of the, like the seventies, those would have had full plots and theatrical releases and everything. Did they? Back back then there would have been more of a, like circles around it. But even now we still have the kind of porn awards and stuff. Yeah. But those are also very satirical. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the thing is once you, once you label your movie a porn, Mm -hmm it's almost implied that the main subject is sex. Yeah. Everything else is secondary Mm -hmm. with every other genre. That's not true. Like when you say, like when you label your movie as a horror movie, you're not necessarily saying that the main subject is like blood, let's say. Yeah. You could have a gory movie and some movies do make a point of just being gory for the sake of gore. Yeah. But those aren't the movies that, you know, receive high praise. Yeah. But with porn, it's almost impossible to make a porn that's not about sex. Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost think, like the bodily reaction to it overpowers the kind of, uh, I don't know, any kind of mental power you have to understand the thing as a piece of art. Like you'd rather just beat off than understand it as a work of art. Yeah. Like the biology gets the better of you. Yeah, but like it's also like you can make a porn and there can be tons of fucking, but like Mm -hmm. the second you give it a setting and you give it a plot, it becomes something else. It becomes a drama with sex in it. Yeah. I just think a lot of the kind of like modern or like contemporary pornos would be just completely either like a parody or a satire or just, oh, come in this room. Okay, uh, let's bang. Yeah. (laughs) There's no develop. There's no artistry in it at all other than just the document like documenting the sex right. 
Um, I had a, a genre class a few semesters ago, and uh, the last uh, class was on porn as a genre. And uh, I didn't go because uh, I think I was out of town or something, but I got a bunch of emails like on that group server or whatever for the course. And everyone was going, oh, I didn't know we'd be watching porn on the last day. What is this? No one gave me a warning. And literally in the syllabus, it said, today we are watching porn, actual porn. Please uh, only come if you're aware to watch this or you want to watch this kind of thing. And it's quite interesting in a university setting where people are actual watching normal porn. That must have been a pretty interesting class. I don't know how many people showed up because it was the 13th week and everything, but there was True. a good five or so emails complaining. And the uh, even the week before, the, the professor sent out a disclaimer and then afterwards apologized for everything and had to change the syllabus later on, I think. That's so but, funny. Uh, I'm, I'm upset that I missed that class. I think it would help with this, uh, this analysis, too. We would know That's a bit more. That's true, yeah. All the but, dudes complaining were probably just dudes who wore sweatpants that day. Yeah. I regret it. <laughs> 15 minutes after class ended. <laughs> but uh, it, it is interesting uh, where you kind of draw the lines on these genres or what's, what's something acceptable to watch and something not acceptable. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's, I like, I actually love pink films. Every pink film I've seen, I've liked. Oh, yeah. Like the, the Japanese. Yeah. Not the, not where pink film started, not like the actual just straight up porn, mm -hmm. but like shit like this and shit like Tokyo Decadence and R100 mm -hmm. and like these yeah. critiques on J Japanese society in regards to pink films. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of those movies have like explicit sex scenes. Yeah. This movie's I still wouldn't good. consider them porn. No, not at all. No. Well, it's the same way like a nude model wouldn't be considered porn. Right, yeah. Hold on, I just had a fire truck just drove by. Don't sorry about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, interesting. What else do we have here? Um, well, we kind of have an equivalent in the West where it's kind of softcore porn. But even then, it's just for the sex. Yeah, I mean, we're... Like our, our society is very, very steeped in Christian values, but we haven't been as a society that sexually oppressed for a long time. Yeah. It's hard, so it's hard to compare our softcore porn to their pink films. Yeah. Well, for like a Japanese talking as a Westerner, of course, their society seems extremely rigid and organized and you have to stay within these hard border lines or else you're uh you're some kind of outsider yeah i mean i you know it's, it's always it's, it's impossible really for a foreigner to understand another culture completely without being raised in that culture i i think mm -hmm. yeah we can we can get close but to understand it as well as they do is impossible yeah. but yeah they their society does still seem pretty rep repressed compared to ours. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, this movie came out in 2016, so. Yeah, exactly. You know, we haven't seen, the, the most we'll see, like the closest we can get in the West to a film, a contemporary film having similar themes, mm -hmm. 
is if the film is centered around a heavily Christian family household. Yeah. Or um, homosexuality will receive the same treatment, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. I I saw, like, we were talking about uh, Francis Ford Coppola last week, I think. Yeah. And uh, he started off making softcore porn. Oh, did he? That's just a fun little uh, aside to throw in. I mean, I that isn't that. I feel like a lot of people who work in the industry start with porn of some sort. That's how it used to be. Yeah, like in if you were starting up in the '60s and '70s, you'd start making like little softcore porn. Now most people do like music videos and stuff to kind of get their start or like commercials. True. But uh, yeah, back in the '60s and '70s, it was all a little softcore porn things or whatever you could shoot you shot but i mean especially here in montreal a lot of film students do porn right after college oh yeah well i i've got a bunch of applications and stuff uh for well like i didn't get the application but i I could have sent out tons of applications all these porn places in montreal there's endlessly looking for people to cut together butt cracks and stuff Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, any way to get your foot in the door, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever consider it? Would you do it? Um, not really. I don't think so. Because, like, now you kind of, if that's on your resume, like, you're kind of stuck in that category and you're kind of labeled as this kind of porn guy. And yeah. you're kind of stuck in that world even then. Tarnishes your reputation. That, and it's kind of like, the production quality of it is so low that they don't even think that you're good enough to do normal work. Oh, that makes sense. Unborn or something. Unless you're like a Photoshop guy or a graphic designer or something, then it doesn't really matter. But if you, you're directing or editing or something, you, you won't even be bothered. Because right. it's such like low expectations. Yeah, exactly. And they don't even care what you're cutting it together that you could use it on uh, iMovie or something and cut it together. Yeah. They don't care about anything and there's no style or anything to it. There's no rhythm or timing that you need to know. You just have to, okay, show the boobs, show the butt. You're good. Yeah. As long as you show the the money shot, everything else leading up to it is pretty uh, secondary. There's no style or anything to it. So that, you know, if you're looking for work and there's nothing, then you'd go do a, you'd go cut together a porno or something, but I wouldn't recommend it. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say overall, uh, quite a fun flick. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I did like it. And I, I liked the whole duality between virgin and horror. Mm-hmm. I appreciated, And we can kind of sympathize with that even in the West. Yeah, as a society, our expectation of girls are like we have those same two extremes. Yeah, where the virgin is idolized for being pure, and the mm-hmm. whore is idolized for being fun. Yeah, and anything in between is like, well, you're not a whore or a virgin, so you're nothing. Yeah, pretty much. That's kind of put to an extreme in the uh, Japanese context of it. Yeah, especially in this movie. But that's when I, like, are we, it's, it's hard for me to understand. Like the movie, once it ends, it wraps things together nicely. Mm-hmm. But 
it kind of puts into question when are we seeing Kyoko, the actor's thoughts? When are we seeing the character's thoughts? Like, yeah. when is she reading this porn script? Mm-hmm. And when is she having an interior monologue? That's the thought, yeah. I, I kind of imagined every time she was yelling, she was in character. Okay. Around when she's being assertive, kind of like that, when she's playing this assertive kind of role. But yeah, that's, kind of, yeah. When you get the little spots where she goes, oh, this isn't me, and then they're on stage kind of talking, I, I assumed that was all her actual interior monologue of okay. her having kind of identity crisis thing. She's not a whore. She's just kind of a just a nice girl who, who's full of shame and doesn't know what to do. How, kind of how, much, how much credit do we attribute to the the character Kyoko's words during the interview? Like when she's asked about theme, she mm-hmm. makes some pretty bold statements about theme and art in general. What does she say? Uh, she First of all, she gets mad and she says, don't ask me about themes. Because yeah. lives don't have themes, so why should art need a theme? Okay. Which is an interesting statement by itself that I personally would disagree with, but that wasn't the main focus of her statement. Mm-hmm. Well, I disagree with that as well, though. Yeah, I think lives do have themes. Mm-hmm. Um, you might I'm, not know it in the moment, but, you know. Overall, yeah. Yeah, it's like you we didn't, you know, you can't know the theme of this movie until you're more than halfway done. Mm-hmm. But even a movie, you can have different thematic points in it or you could see the movie as part of a a whole oeuvre right but yeah Yeah. you're saying yeah she goes on to then explicitly state the film of the movie seemingly Mm -hmm. and of i assume her you know fictitious art and whatever she says that she uh takes the annoying freedoms that restrict her and flush them in the toilet uh, mm-hmm. No one in this, what does she say, paltry country or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Master freedom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Women aren't free. They're freedom slaves, freedom's puppets. They lack the freedom of even a cheap hooker. Mm-hmm. So I guess like in the movie, that dialogue would be uh, like uh, to support the to be a whore kind of uh, character. But then in real life, it would be just don't be shameful or repressed like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the director is using the extreme of the whore Mm -hmm. to say the problem isn't that we don't have enough freedom. It's that even despite that freedom, we continue to shame each other for our sexual prowess. Yeah. Or there's all these expectations built on top of this. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting that the movie's called anti-porno, mm-hmm. but he worked with this pink film studio. Yeah. Because, um, I don't know, I guess maybe because pink films are, aren't, are they lowbrow, highbrow? I don't know what to think of that. I think back in like the seventies, they would have been like the lowest of the low. Right. That's what I assumed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, from like, then it's, MD. Because yeah. my initial interpretation was that, you know, with these themes in mind and the fact that the movie's called anti-porno, mm-hmm. seems like Sono would be almost blaming the porn industry for continuing to influence these uh, 
like initial reactions to shame. Mm -hmm. Like by being so sexually open and explicit, the porn industry is doing more in the detriment of society's open-mindedness. I guess so, but he's also putting it on screen and showing us kind of how it could be more highbrow. Yeah. But yeah, and that's it. And then we get the scene with the uh, when Kyoko's talking to her parents. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about sex and the parents refer to their sexual organs as their genitalia. Yeah. Until they start talking about when it's when it's talking about reproduction and about her losing her virginity, it's all genitalia and proper. Yeah. And then when it's about them having postmarital sex and not planning on having kids and or porn, it's cocks and cunts and it's uh, yeah. what is it? What are the it's indecent and then the mom says a different word, similar to indecent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then it's like if the movie is supposed to be anti-porn, mm-hmm. then why would you put those statements implying that pornography is indecent and it only amplifies the shame we feel towards our own sex? Why would you mm-hmm. put those statements in the mouths of these parents who are explicitly antagonistic characters in the film? I think it might have been just to show the hypocrisy of their parenting, kind of, of them being so sexually active and so kind of like dirty and they're building this shame into their daughter. I don't know. It, it's... Uh, yeah, that the, the hypocrisy I get, but it's just... Like, is the film's title just a joke? Is it just not anti-porn? You're, you're taking anti as being like uh, oppositional to? Yeah, against. To? Yeah. I was... I thought of it as like, this is a porno, but it, there's no porn in it. Like, uh, okay. Like, uh, uh, yeah. I, I can't think of an example now, but it would be like, you would expect this to be porno, but it's like anti-porn. It's yeah. uh, dramatic. I, yeah. Like the, the movie isn't anti-porn. The movie is an anti-porno. Yeah, exactly. That's how I... Okay, that actually makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of that. That like pretty much cleared up everything. What did you think about the uh, the dialogue in the movie? Because everything so far we've been talking about style and everything. It's very bold, but also very primal. Like you have a big yellow wall, you have a big red wall. Her art is pop art, which is supposed to be the the most extreme of the colors, where it's full contrast. Um, did you find that the dialogue was almost over the top for what the aesthetic was, where the aesthetic should be bare bone, yellow, red, but the dialogue is more uh, flowered and it's flourished. It's uh, embellished throughout. It's very, uh, they're using big words throughout. And um, I don't know, did, did you feel that it fit with the aesthetic of the um, the art design, or the art direction? Uh, I, I'm not sure I noticed what you noticed about the dialogue. I was thinking like it was almost too conceptual, the dialogue that they're saying the paltry, this paltry country with its, uh, and she's giving these big monologues, but it's supposed to be a kind of porno movie. And the aesthetic of the film is this primary pop art aesthetic. I kind of thought that the dialogue and the look of the movie didn't really blend in to get like if this was a Victorian period piece or something and everyone was in these 
giant costumes, yeah. I'd imagine that that would match more. But I don't know. I felt there was a slight disconnect between the dialogue and the look of the movie. But I mean, I wasn't really bothered in the end. I think I, I think I actually appreciated that juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah, it, it did. goes with the rest of the narrative, though. I guess. Yeah, I also found it a little satirical. Yeah, for definitely. Like it's like making fun of artists. Mm-hmm. If it's taken as satire, then it works perfect. Then. Yeah, that's how I took it. Yeah. Um, what else do we have here? I have another note here on the dollies. I thought one dolly was quite fantastic, and I wonder how they did it. Um, because I mean, it's all wide angles and deep focus throughout the movie, but the one shot I'm thinking is when the, um, uh, the assistant in the first half an hour of the film, uh, is walking like a dog around or walking on all fours. Yeah. And, uh, behind her is, uh, the inter or I guess the publicist and the interviewer and the photographer, whoever those two characters are, yeah. are walking behind her and it's a low angle with all three of their faces making a, an upside down triangle in the frame. And then we dolly back and keep all the heads in frame. I thought that was a fantastic dolly and must've been hard as hell to execute. Do you like remember the, the one I'm talking about? It's when like, the assistant goes to acquire the blood. Um, no, I think it was before that. I can't remember the exact point, but I believe it was in the first half hour of the movie. I'll have to, yeah it's definitely is it before after the assistant gets completely naked oh i saw i just i just saw it it's right before she gets naked okay yeah and she's crawling and to get that kind of angle i would have assumed that they would have had to cut a hole in the ground or have the assistant crawling be on a raised platform or something to have the camera be at that low extreme angle even with the wide angle lens but then to have all three of these characters walk stay in focus, stay in that uh, like upside down triangle composition, keep it all in focus, keep it all moving. I thought that was a very complicated shot to get done. I was really impressed by that shot. Yeah, I know what you mean, watching it now. Mm-hmm. It is very, uh, a lot of moving parts with a weird angle. Yeah. It, could she be wearing a, like a rig? I have no idea. I got no clue, unless this is like, a super wide lens, but then it doesn't even look that wide to have it and to get the low. Uh, I would have thought they'd cut something in the ground. Maybe, but or I think the platform thing might be right as well because they only show the ceiling, so they could have filmed it anywhere. That's true. Yeah. But very, very fun shot. If we're doing the same uh, as we did a, a couple episodes ago where he said our favorite shot, I would mark that for my favorite shot. Yeah. Just for just for how complicated I think it is. What do you think? I, What's your um, I mean, the ending is just the paint dump. I love it. Yeah. It's so cool. Fun. And so bright too. It's yeah. really refreshing. I, I like the, uh, the black and white woods. Yeah, that's sick. That was really cool too. I think those two are probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Oh, the red and white room with all the gowns and the women is also yeah. awesome. There's a lot of beautiful stuff in the movie. Yeah, it is. I mean, front to back, it's pretty fucking like as far as aesthetics are concerned, it's beautiful. Yeah. For Even like, like the, the room's decor, 
Yeah. Just like random bird cages and lamps and candles and shit like that. Yeah. They always somehow to be seemed placed perfectly. Yeah. And when all the dollies stop, it's perfectly framed, perfectly composed shots. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of artistry, I think, went into this porn. <laughs> you want to head on to uh, reviews a bit? Hit some letterbox. I think this is this might be an interesting letterbox. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious as to uh, what people are going to say about this one. Yeah, the, let's uh, check it out. We're loading up letterbox at the moment. I guess our uh, Zoom call got extended again. Yeah, I haven't got any notification or anything. Last time it was a big warning bar that came up. Interesting. So I have no clue how Zoom works, why they cut us off, and sometimes they don't. I'm happy when they don't. Saves me time. Yeah. I don't mind it at all. There's definitely going to be a lot of like pretentious reviews. <laughs> yeah. Trying to use the same language that the they use. Oh, yeah. yeah. But what? they don't understand the satire of it. Yeah, I thought the uh, like the uh, the message of the film, this kind of critique on Japanese society and uh, the kind of female role in this constructed society, um, it seems like a very straightforward kind of message. But when you put it in this form, where you have this kind of broken narrative and these uh, very artistic, very composed, but also very uh, tough to do and intricate shots with all the different layers to it with these flares and everything and the, everything's dollying through and there's all these characters and set design. I thought it, it really elevated everything about it. Yeah. Just just the artistry of the, the direction, composition, art direction just really uh, elevated a pink film to I think the, uh, the top that it could go. I the, agree. The, the highest height that a, a porno could get. I don't think we're going to see a better porno than this. No, I really doubt it. <laughs> I think, uh, like if, like you said earlier, if the narrative structure would have been chronological, yeah, and it would have been just like a regular porn set, mm-hmm. and whatever, this would have been a terrible movie. I think so too. Yeah, would have just fucking. It would have been too right in our face, and we would have got it in two seconds. Yeah. I guess there's a bit of a, a hunt to everything. Yeah. Okay. Ready for the reviews? Rock and roll. I'll start with the dog shit ones. Half star. Yeah, perfect. I'll be perfectly honest. I only finished this movie because of the tits. <laughs> if you like pretentious avant-garde settings, no story, and Japanese women yelling nonsense at each other for no reason, you'll have a great time unfollow every single person who has this movie in their top four top four interesting to have four this yeah uh, on my box, do you have a top four for some reason oh okay yeah but uh <laughs> i guess the guy's just following it for the tits well i guess it is a porno when you break it down to the bare bones of it it's supposed to be a pink film so um i don't know okay was he beating off to it though i think it's by the sounds of it yeah um, Interesting. He's calling this movie pretentious, and he's got yeah. the seventh seal 
full metal jacket. Yeah. The fifth seal. <laughs> and like some other like film school movie in his top four. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's very fun. Yeah. Um, well, just an asshole then, I guess. I think I so mean, too. The seventh seal has no tits in it. So. <laughs> um, yeah, avant-garde settings, I don't mind. Were, were yeah. they pretentious? Well, what do you think? Avant-garde setting. The fucking seventh seal is the most avant-garde. Well, yeah, exactly. Really, the most fucking surreal setting in the world. Fuck. Um, I, th- I think to to dislike it for being pretentious yeah. is to miss the point because it's pretentious on purpose. Well, they're making the joke that it's porn too. Right, exactly. I think, yeah, this guy, I just don't think he got the, got the movie. I don't think right. so either. He says, there's, he says that there's no story when there's a very clear, mm-hmm. you know, once, once you're an hour into the movie, it becomes clear how, well, even like, when the when there's that cut and the, the the tonal shift between the the set world and the reality, you you get that there's there's fiction happening here. There's something going yeah. on. The sister character and there's parent characters and the director and why is all this together? I mean that that's all part of the story. Yeah, to say there's no story is quite a bold claim. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even if the assistant walks in the door and they talk to each other and then the movie ends in five minutes. That's still a story. Right. Exactly. It doesn't matter if the guy liked the story or not, as long as it's a sentence with an action, that's a story. Yeah. Fuck this guy. Yeah. Fuck him. Fuck Butch. Fuck Butch and his tits. (laughs) got any other terrible ones uh, yeah here's there? a good one uh half a star okay he quotes the film why are films about cocks and cunts bad <laughs> then he yeah. begins by proposing an answer they're only bad when they're like anti-porno okay that's interesting Anti- then. anti-porno more like anti-talent <laughs> <laughs> When it yeah, when it isn't pretentious and annoying, and it yeah. is that for most of its mercifully short running time, it's just plain boring. Even the but, occasional sex is flat. It does lay to rest the notion, though, that the Japanese have an aversion to pubic hair on film. Well, so long as it's female. But I mean, this is someone still thinking it thinking of it as a straightforward porn movie because what do you say the sex was bland yeah the sex was flat the sex was flat yeah <laughs> that's a funny critique to have for a movie i don't think i've ever heard that for <laughs> any other movie where there's a sex scene in it where they go Oosh, a little flat i wanted to <laughs> <laughs> oh man fuck what was the how did that review start uh, why are films about cocks and cunts so bad? Uh, they're only bad when they're like anti-porno. Okay. Do you mind reading a bit more? Anti-porno, more like anti-talent. When it isn't being pretentious and annoying, it's just oh. plain boring. Yeah, the, well, the short running time he mentions. Yeah, yeah short run time. But the short run time, that's a reference to the original movies who are only supposed to be an hour long. 
How long is this movie? It's not that short. This is 115. Oh, I guess that is pretty short. Yeah. But I mean, I think that is supposed to be a direct reference to these original 60s and 70s pink films yeah. that were the short, short movies. So, I mean, that that's part of the aesthetic. Like the short runtime is built into it. Like you're not going to be mad at a, a movie that's labeled a short for being 10 minutes long. You go, right, Fuck, yeah. This, this is the worst short ever. It's only 10 minutes. It's supposed to be an hour. Like it, it go, goes hand in hand with the aesthetic. Yeah. So I don't think this is a good comment either. No, fuck that guy, dude. Fuck this guy and his no tits. Um, there's a there's a few funny reviews back to back that just say shit like mental illness, psychopath, go back to not being crazy, Sono. You were better when you were sane. <laughs> just like a chain of reviews calling the director a psychopath. Okay, well, I mean, the movie is still very well made. <laughs> I mean, I guess they don't like the narrative, but I mean, everything about the direction is still perfectly yeah. fine. Also, dude, this came out, I'm pretty sure, after Tag. Okay. You watch Tag and then you watch this. This yeah. movie is like... Tame. Yeah, big time. Especially as That's far really as like narrative structure and everything like that goes. Yeah. Tag is literally like, like I still don't really know what it's about. Okay. That might be another fun one to do on a podcast then one day. Yeah, actually. It would be interesting. um, I'm sure you've seen the opening. Like the opening 10 minutes is like probably the most famous scene of the movie. Okay. It's all these Japanese schoolgirls on a school bus. They're going on a field trip. Okay. And they start having a pillow fight on the school bus. And then oh. all of a sudden, the school bus gets cut in half horizontally. Okay. And all of the schoolgirls also get cut in half. <laughs> Except for, like, one girl who, like, dropped her pen and was picking it up or something like that. Yeah. And well, then, we're... yeah, it's fucking, yeah, it's weird. It's a very weird movie. We might have to watch that one then, because that sounds very interesting. <laughs> What do you think about some good reviews? Yeah, let's read some good ones. Most of the bad ones are uh, judging it for being pretentious. Mm-hmm. Interestingly I mean, enough, most of the yeah. good reviews are in Spanish. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know who's been promoting this movie in uh, Latin countries, but they love it. Yeah, well, good for them. They're very sexually open. They enjoyed it. Okay. An attempt of Sion Sono to counter-address the pink film culture of Japanese. Oh, he thinks it's a counter to the pink films. This okay. film... Yeah, go ahead. Do you have something to oh, no. chime in? No, I was, I was just going to say, because from what I researched, this is, like, directly... Like, it was... He was hired to make a pink film, and this is part of, like, a pink film revival. So yeah. I mean, he, he, like, Nakatsu is the pink film studio. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah, so this reviewer continues to say that this film was Sono's entry for Nakatsu's Roman porno series, a.k.a. Exploitation Tradition, as a highbrow porno film serving as a deconstruction as well as a strong commentary on free Japan censorship and sexual oppression with the porn industry. Okay, so how is that? A, okay. 
This movie whiplashes its way through themes of patriarchy, voyeurism, and exploitation in a complete abstract manner. Although woman oppression isn't a new subject, the film exhibits sexual progressivism as some kind of torture and a contributing factor to the oppression. Well, I mean, that's pretty straightforward, pretty well. Movie. Yeah, pretty much what we said, except yeah. uh, he kind of goes against himself by saying that it's a counter address to the pink film culture. Hmm. I, I guess get, maybe. I get. Sorry, but yeah, I get, I kind of get what he means. If it's counter to like the kind of bodily reaction that you're supposed to have to right, something yeah. in the porn genre, but I mean, I don't even know if you were, were you supposed to beat off to pink films or was it just supposed to be like a fun thing where you go, "Ooh, I saw some boobies on screen." I do not that, think I you're. I do not think you were supposed to beat off during pink films. Yeah. So I mean, this is this still following the the same tradition yeah yeah definitely um i hated this movie so much no one should ever watch it and then he gave it five out of five stars i think the guy didn't realize which way this rating system went (laughs) (laughs) anti-porno has so much more porno than porno also that was the most poetic beautiful colorful and weird wank in my life Wait a second. <laughs> there you go. So this guy did do it. Good for I him. I guess it works out sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun review. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, do we head to our own? Yeah, I think we're good to go to our own reviews. What do you think, uh, Mr. Lee? On my initial viewing of the movie, mm-hmm. I had given it a... Seven out of ten. Okay. Uh, watching it a second time, I think I would need to increase that quite a bit. I think it's probably a nine out of ten. Okay. That jumped up quite a lot in the second viewing. Yeah. Uh, I think I was... Um, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying attention enough the first time or something. I'd there might be some kind of... It. Yeah, there might be some kind of shock to the aesthetic and the type of story we're seeing, too. That that first half hour, I didn't really right. know what to make of it. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to give it a safe eight. Oh, okay. Not uh, not not a perfect kind of thing, but I, I love the uh, the direction and the uh, the aesthetic of the movie. Straight eight. There you go. Fair enough, or. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Any any uh, last comments about the movie? Well, I mean, for a porno, I think people should definitely check it out because it, it was a, an awesome flick. Yeah, I, I, this is one of my favorites that we've done on the show, yeah, I think. Very fun. High rated as well, one of the most high rated ones. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah, check out... Uh, check out Tokyo Vampire Hotel on yeah, Amazon. I'm going to do Tokyo and Tag. Those both seem yeah, very interesting as well. I don't know. Uh, I think I'm not sure where you can we can watch Tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tokyo Vampire Hotel is a Amazon Prime exclusive. So, <laughs> oh, dude, for this movie, for some reason, I couldn't get the subtitles on the Dropbox, so I had to go on some sketchy sites to get it. 
Yeah. Oh my god, it took me like two hours to find this fucking. Really? Movie. Oh yeah. Well, every time. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say I also had to download my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do that quite often to download. Okay. Sometimes. Yeah. I was just looking to stream it, like. Right. But uh, sorry, someone's just doing burnouts outside. Um, <laughs> Every time uh, I would look it up, like there would be 30 different subtitle options and they'd all come out as like Russian or something. Uh, yeah. It was quite fun me. finding this movie on uh, online, stealing it, as they'd say. Um, how were the subtitles you ended up finding? Because mine uh, had some lines missing. Oh, no, mine mine were a bit slow. Like they would come in like halfway through the line or once the line was over. Okay. But they all seemed to be like proper translation. Okay. Cool. Overall, really fun movie though. Fun podcast. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a, a definitely a definite uh, must watch in general, but especially if you're into anything Japanese or mm-hmm. uh, genre studies stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Just as like some kind of genre experiment. It's very interesting. Yeah, email your professor. Tell them to, tell them to show the kids this instead of porn. <laughs> I will. I don't know. That was also a terrible professor, so. Oh, okay. Never mind. Who knows? We can, we can skip that email then. Yeah, it might be fun just to send her more porn just to see what she says. <laughs> but if, uh, if any of you guys want to send us an email, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Monolithfilmclub at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Monolith Film Pod. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Spotify. Leave a review on iTunes. You know, do everything for us. Thank you. You can send us videos of you and your friends walking around and barking like dogs. We <laughs> we'll play the audio on the show. It's fantastic. We love it all. Uh, we we actually fun. will do that. That does sound like fun. If someone sends that in, 100% we're fucking showing some guy barking. <laughs> yeah. If, uh, yeah, definitely. It'll that be sounds, the thumbnail. Yeah. Well, always good talking, Ailey. Do we know what we're doing next? I don't think so, but I think we have a lot of options and a lot of uh, guests that might want to uh, hop on, too. True, yeah. Okay, let's do a, a guest movie new, next. New voices we might be hearing in the in the near future on the pod. Yeah. So stay tuned, everybody. Yes. Until then, keep uh, keep listening to the podcast. Keep watching yeah, keep the watching. flicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. See you guys soon. The way you held me so tender, not like other guys. You were sweet as an angel, and you made me realize, and I do. And I do. And